Hello again, everybody. It's Mike Petralia, Trags. This is episode 249 of Patriot Speed on the CLNS Media Network. Follow us at www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS or at CLNS Media. You can follow me on Twitter at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. This is my pleasure and thrill to welcome back somebody who hasn't been with us since he changed jobs. As a matter of fact, Jeff Howe of The Athletic, at The Athletic Boston. Um, Jeff, it's a thrill to have you back on the program. First question, how are things different on the uh, other side of the uh, beat, so to speak? Uh, it's In a lot of ways, it's different. In a lot of ways, I'm, I'm really doing the exact same job. So, I mean, thank you for having me and, and for mentioning all that. But the, uh, the thing I love so much about The Athletic is I spend all of my time working on stories that I absolutely want to work on and you know sometimes it's uh, breaking news sometimes it's a feature sometimes it's a, an extensive feature that i never would have been able to do uh, if it were for the newspaper uh not that i didn't love the job at the herald i did sure. i mean it was a place that i viewed as as a place that i could retire at you know 30 years down the road or whatever and but the times changed circumstances changed and the athletic came along with an offer that was just too incredible uh and with the opportunity as well to turn down so yeah i mean it's just like under again uh, everything i did at the herald i loved but there are facts of life there where hey you know what it would be great to spend three days on a story sure but the reality is we still have to put out a newspaper every day still have to spend time working on that stuff so you know rather than kind of diverting my attention to two or three different spots at a time I get to spend all of my time on one story, uh, again, that I'm going to have a lot of pride in producing. One of those stories that I want to get to later, after we have to get through the ridiculous business of Brady and Gronk, is Shaq Mason. So don't let me forget that, okay, Jeff? Because I don't, I'm, right. I, I'm just uh, producing this show on the fly, and you know, uh, who knows if I can even rely on myself to remember. But I do want to touch on that feature on Shaq Mason because I actually think it's uh, very interesting for the Patriots long term on the offensive line. Okay. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, you reported, um, I believe a couple of weeks ago, that they had been planning all along to be at uh, the uh, minicamp, which begins this week down in Foxborough, the mandatory minicamp. Uh, I believe they've had six OTAs so far, and they've all been uh, quote-unquote voluntary, but now uh, the real business begins. First of all, your uh, reaction to Brady and Gronk uh, arriving on the scene this week and really, uh, in your mind, what changes? Well, the intensity is going to change. I mean, the, the, the reaction is, look, this is supposed to happen. So if it didn't, then it would have been a shock. But, I mean, again, this is the plan all along for Brady. And I think Gronk might have, I'm not entirely sure, but he might have shown up you know, a week or two earlier if they executed the new contract in time. But, of course, that didn't happen. Uh, right around the time, remember that I – reported that the Patriots and Gronkowski were getting closer on a contract. And, I mean, at this point, it's pretty likely that he is going to play the 2018 season under new terms. Uh, that was, like, within the same 24-hour time period that Hunter Henry tore his ACL in a non-contact practice out in L.A. So, yeah. uh, it, Gronk didn't need any more reminders of the dangers of showing up and, and practicing when you're that close to a new deal and, and potentially risking, you know, a whole heck of a lot of money however it turns out to be so with all that and then you look at how is practice going to be different 
I mean, look, I, I know the conspiracy theories are fun and the what ifs and what's Belichick going to do. Right. Look, it, it's got to be Brady's got to be the first guy taking these reps. I mean, you're not going to mess around with that. If you, I'm sure Belichick, look, I, I, as I reported on Monday, it wasn't known how Belichick felt about all this. I think we can all assume how Belichick has felt about all this. He's a football coach. He wants his football players to play football when there's practicing football involved. So, of course, that's probably how he felt. It's just, you know, nobody disclosed to me how Belichick felt about the whole situation. But I'm not sure that Belichick is going to let this thing linger to a point where he's like, all right, Hoyer, you take all the ones, and Brady, you take all the twos all throughout minicamp. You don't want to show up, you're behind. I mean, if you do that, then you're basically saying that this thing is going to linger for quite a bit longer uh, to the point where it's going to be an ongoing story and distraction, and there's no way that that would be in the best interest of the football team. So, look, this is going to be a an offense that's going to execute with a whole heck of a lot more uh, octane and efficiency with Brady running the show than Brian Hoyer. This is the last two times that we got to watch practice out at OTAs. I mean, that's the most obvious statement that anybody's ever stated. So it's not really going out on a limb there, but I'd expect this to be a really fun week, and you're going to see – I mean, it's it's a pleasure. It's truly one of the best parts of the job that we have is to be able to watch Tom Brady run a practice down at Foxborough when nobody else is able to really watch. And, and you compare that to some of the teams that we've seen come in or, or the, the Patriots have gone to visit for joint practices. And really, you know, not that this is I'm not trying to take a shot at Hoyer, but watching Hoyer run the offense, it's just a different planet. So yeah. watching Brady run the show down in Foxborough is going to be a treat because you're not sure how lo- how much longer this is really going to last. Well, see, I, I see it a little bit differently. Certainly Tom's going to be out there and he's going to be taking snaps. I think, though, that he may not see the majority of the snaps. I think he'll see most of the first-team snaps. Um, but I think he is going to be limited to working with the guys he's going to be working with during the regular season. And you break that, those down into numbers. I don't know if that's the majority of the snaps or not, but that, I, I don't know. I just think that Belichick's going to, your point about him not wanting it to linger is an excellent point. And certainly that it not lingering is uh, in his mantra of uh, not in the best interest of the football. It would be in the best interest of the football team for it not to linger. But I just think somehow, some way, Bill makes some type of statement. I don't know. I, I go back and forth on that. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if it were out in public. Uh, maybe he rails on Brady in a meeting, you know, one or two more times than he normally would. Maybe he has a, a sit-down with him and it's just like, look, you know, I got you in the building. Now I'm going to use this time to my advantage because I'm the boss and I can call these meetings. Uh, not to say that they haven't they haven't spoken over the last several months. I don't know. I'm Like, I can't say that right. I'm privy or anybody's really privy to the conversations that Belichick, Brady and Kraft have all had. We know they've spoken. We just don't know how often and the tenor of the discussions. Look, Belichick was never really in the dark about Brady and Gronk. I mean, up until April 24th or whenever Gronk told Belichick that he would indeed play. I mean, Belichick really has not been in the dark about this whole situation over the last month and a half. So, um, again, I'm not saying that Belichick was like, oh, you know what, you want to take the first seven weeks OTAs off, you know, that's totally fine by me. I'm sure that's not how he felt about it, but right. I'm sure... There is also probably a little, you know, even if he's like 2% okay with it, you know, I mean, I, I think at least the, there, from what I understand, there's been a 
somewhat open line of communication. Because, again, I'm not going to be able to report all this stuff four to six weeks ago or whatever it was if Belichick isn't aware of all of it. Sure. Um, Now, the other side of the picture is Rob Gronkowski. And I think, I don't know, I think he's going to see a decent amount of reps uh, in this uh, minicamp period, don't you think? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, there'd be no reason to hold him back. He's fully healthy and whatnot. And, you know, I mean, when you take a look at the depth chart, what strikes you about the depth chart? I, I just don't think there's a lot of, you know, depth behind him at tight end. Do you? No, that was an area they certainly did not address this no, offseason. they did and, not. I mean, we can sit here until we're blue in the face saying that Jacob Hollister had, I mean, again, you mentioned they've had six OTAs. We've seen two of them. So he's had two good OTAs. We have no idea what he's looked like in the other four. Uh, he could be great. He could be horrendous. He could be somewhere in between. But producing now and producing when the lights are on are two entirely different things. But look, Jacob Hollis has made some nice strides over the last couple of weeks. That's all well and good. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's their savior backup tight end because we've seen this act uh, pretty much dozens of times before. Uh, Dwayne Allen is a guy who, again, still needs to prove that he can be a valuable asset in the offense, not just in terms of making personal strides from 2017 to 2018, but proving that he is not worth being a $5 million cap casualty because they can release him, save $5 million against the cap, no penalties whatsoever. So that's a, a an important stride for him to make. And then you've got guys like Troy Nicholas and Will Ty. I mean, there's just – there's. I mean, they drafted Ryan Izzo. He's probably not going to make the team. So there's just – I'm not saying that there was a lot out there. I mean, it's not like you could just go out and, and – spend the kind of money you needed to get a Jimmy Graham or or take the gamble on a Tyler Eifert. Uh, so it's it's hard to sit here and say, hey, you know what, you should have done this, this, and this, but it, it's not like the assets were really available. But, again, if Gronk goes down, you're in another situation potentially, uh, unless Jacob Hollister, like, really explodes in the next few months, which, again, is one of those things. You've got to temper that expectation for a second-year guy, but – uh, unless something drastic happens in the next couple months, if Gronk goes down, you're in a situation like in 2015 when defenses are basically just going to ignore that backup tight end and cover the other four guys running routes. Uh, speaking of receivers, wide receiver, this gets to uh, to an area where I, I think it's going to be very fascinating to watch how the depth chart breaks out. I mean, we, we assume that Julian Edelman – uh, based on some of the video we saw last week that he's getting in and out of cuts very, or a couple of weeks ago, in and out of cuts really well. Um, and Chris Hogan's going to be the number two. But after those two, I mean, you've got Cordell Patterson, Braxton Berrios, the rookie out of the University of Miami. Um, and you've got running backs who could uh, get into the mix uh, at wide receiver, you know, just getting a look, see at the wide receiver, you know, as receivers out of the backfield is what I'm trying to say after all that babbling. And then you have Malcolm Mitchell. Um, how do you see the wide receivers breaking down? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a fascinating battle. And two guys, well, you mentioned Mitchell. He is, in my mind, truly competing against himself and nobody else. Yep. If he can prove that he can stay healthy for more than two days at a time, and I'm not saying that as a dig, I'm saying that because – We've yet to see him practice more than two days at a time. Uh, 
if he can prove that he his knee is is good enough to get through the season, or at least to get him, you know, if, if he can get through August and, and the team is like, you know what, they can get twelve games out of this guy, he'll be on the roster. If he can't, then you know you get to the point where you wonder is putting him on IR only delaying the inevitable, or is it really worth trying to keep him around? Because we know the talent there is just the knee is in awful shape. So. Uh, that's a, a major concern. Then I look at Jordan Matthews as the true number three guy because, and, and we got to see what he's capable of with Brady running the show. I mean, I think that's Jordan Matthews is in my mind uh, on the short list of guys to watch this week because you got Brady back and you want to see what Matthews can do with him throwing the football. I mean, again, with all due respect to Hoyer, uh, a guy like Jordan Matthews, if he caught uh, you know twenty five passes of practice with Hoyer running the show. I mean, what does that really tell you? Not a whole lot. Aaron no. Dobson was the leading receiver in training camp two years ago when Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing the ball. He didn't make the team. So that's just the context of what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, you, you look at Matthews, and then I, I would say, I, again, unless Matthews is some sort of disaster, I, which I don't expect, I think he's going to be on the team. And then Patterson, he, you know, he hasn't really – excited me uh as a receiver in the two practices that we've seen it's a small sample size but uh, i mean that kind of fits in with what his career has been to this point the guy is he is legitimately the best kick returner in the league on average yards per kick return over the last five years i think that's where he has to make the team i think he has to be a special teamer you look at him the same way you look at you know a brandon king uh, or somebody in that type of role where you say, or, or like a Jordan Richards. And I, I know comparing him to Richards is probably going to scare the fan base, but <laughs> yep. I mean that in the sense that you are a special teamer, and if you happen to get on the field on offense for Patterson or obviously defense for Richards, then that's what your role is going to be. I don't think Patterson is going to make the team because of what he can do as a receiver. So if, if he shows Belichick that he can be the guy who can continue to average 30 yards a kick return, he'll be on the roster as a special teamer, and you know they'll just make it work. They'll they'll buy that spot by cutting a linebacker or a safety. You know the last guy in the depth chart who otherwise would have been a true special teamer. Patterson can also be a gunner and, and cover kicks in that capacity. So it's not like he's a one trick pony on special teams. How does? Uh, and then you look at oh go ahead. Uh, just real, I'll, I'll be real quick on the last two guys. Philip Dorsett. Literally bought himself some time earlier this offseason when he gave back $450,000 of that deferred roster bonus. That was going to be due on the fifth day of the of training camp. Uh, he probably was not going to stick around beyond that. They were going to probably release him, which, again, is, is why he gave it back. Now it's only $150,000 roster bonus. That's something that they can afford to wait out and see if he does make that second-year stride in the system. If he does, then, you know, again, they loved him last year. The production wasn't there in the field. And then you look at Kenny Britt. You know, similar sort of way. If it's not Dorsett, maybe it's Britt. Cordell Patterson, how do the new kick uh, kick return rules affect him? I mean, it's by all accounts, it's these new rules are supposed to favor the kick returners. So, I mean, we'll I, the guy is he's gigantic. He he reminds me of uh, Jacoby uh, is Jacoby Jones. Why am I? I'm having. The, the guy who was outstanding for the from Ball, Yeah, no, that's Jacoby Jones. Yeah, he reminds me of Jacoby Jones just in terms of the size. And, I mean, he's just really difficult to bring down. He's going to be really difficult to bring down. And with the the kick coverage guys unable 
now to get that running head start. That's going to delay, you know, what they can do to an extent. And, you know, we'll see what the lack of a wedge is. I mean, we don't need to get into the X and O's of that stuff. We'll just sort of see it play out. But, again, this is – this, this dude can fly. He's gigantic, and he can be he can be a weapon. And if he proves that he can be, I, I do believe again with him and Slater, there's room for two special teams specific receivers because you can take that spot. Whether it's you take away Brandon Bolden or again, probably not Brandon King, but a guy similar like a Nick Grigsby, you know, somebody like that who just wasn't going to see the field defensively or, or whatever because you know Patterson can do more than return kicks. Jacoby Jones, six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds. Cordell Patterson, six foot two, two hundred and sixteen. Jeff, your memory is outstanding. Well done. <laughs> I want to tell Thank you, you f- yeah, you're very welcome. I want to tell everybody about a new wellness brand for men. It's called Hymns. Forhims.com. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can now be optional. Hymns connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. There's well-known generic equivalents to brand name prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Order now. My listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today right now while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost you hundreds if you were to go to the doctor or pharmacy. Go to 4 slash trags. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash T-R-A-G-S for hymns.com slash trags. Speaking again with Jeff Howe, the outstanding Patriots reporter for The Athletic. All right, uh, I want to get back to more minicamp news before and, uh, you know, preview before we get to your story on Shaq Mason. Dante Hightower and the linebackers, another area I think that's going to be interesting to watch just because I love to see Dante Hightower in a leadership role. You were there last week. You heard him speak out on uh, what this defense needs to do to kind of regroup after what happened at the end of last year. What do you think of Dante and the rest of the linebacking group? Well, uh, they're they're solid in terms of what they've got at starter as starters, but if any of those guys goes down, the depth is going to be seriously tested. And it's you know, they're in a tough spot. It's similar to the tight end position where if your starters are out there, you've got a really good group. I mean, you've got the best tight end in the NFL, uh, maybe the most dominant tight end in NFL history. But if he goes down, then what do you got left? You know, you've got a really, really good linebacker in Dante Hightower, an all-pro candidate or a Pro Bowl candidate, and and a guy who is, you know, so versatile, makes the makes the defense go, can do so many different things. But if he goes down, as his history suggests is a possibility, then, you know, Kyle Van Noy is a nice player. He's a solid player. But then you start to bring in the Alandon Roberts and the Marquise Flowers into the mix. And those guys are... You know they're they're role players, and I think Flowers more so than anybody showed some intrigue late last season. On the pass uh, I know rush. he got right. uh, no no more just sort of just being a space linebacker who could step in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he I, did. I thought he got, he got to, the to the quarterback a decent number of times, but not against the he greatest did. competition. He did. But yeah, I mean, it's some of it's circumstantial, but again, a guy that has been a special teamer his whole career, as you know, uh, but got a chance to play on defense and was better than I think anybody really would have expected him to be. So now I'm not saying he's going to morph into this, you know, great starter or anything like that, but a guy who 
there's some intrigue there. I mean, Landon Roberts, he is what, what he is. He makes a lot of mistakes. He's a gambler. Uh, and it seems to be more often than not the gambles uh, really put him in the defense at a disadvantage because he's been missing more plays than making. If, if he can turn that percentage around, if he can even it out, if he can just be a little more consistent, then you know you, you've got a uh, you've got an intriguing player there. It's just that's something that he's going to have to prove that he can do. And then you look at some of the young guys, Christian Sam, Juwan Bentley. Right. I mean, I think Bentley is sort of a, a, a Roberts clone, and we'll see. I don't mean that in the sense that he's. I just mean in terms of like the, the early down run stopper type of linebacker. And we'll see if he can grow uh, over the years with his coverage ability, if he can stick around that long. So, you know, there's, there's some decent competition at the back end of the linebacker group. Uh, I mean, if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, Nick Grigsby is a guy that Matthew Slater compared to Tracy White last season. So you've got a solid special teamer there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's there are – I've said this over the years, and it still holds true, um, if – there, any team in the league, you're really not going three. You're definitely not going four deep at linebacker. So if you lose one of them, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, the Patriots, it's it's true for them. You know, if you if you can run Hightower and Van Noy out there for let's say 75 to 85 percent of the snaps next year, you're in great shape yep. because you only really you need two starting linebackers because you're always in nickel, uh, sometimes in dime. You can do a lot of different things. You're in you're in fantastic shape there. If those guys go down, you're as vulnerable as anybody else in the league. I guess the difference with the Patriots is Hightower's injury history. You know, again, makes it likely that there's a point this season when he will miss some time. Real quick, how different, if we can even tell from these OTAs and uh, this week's minicamp, will the defense look uh, without Matt Patricia running it? It's hard to say. Uh, I mean, they did some stuff. I mean, everything that we've seen so far makes them look pretty similar. And you've got Hightower on the edge. You're going to see him line up in the middle a little bit too, I would expect. But, excuse me, Flores has been in the system for so long that, I mean, he knows what Patricia was running. He knows what Belichick wants to run. I really believe the defense is going to look very similar. And more to the point, I think he knows when they want to run it. That, that to me, situationally, is as critical as what it is, right? Yeah, and, you know, the thing, it's interesting, Flores is, We've always known how respected Flores is in that locker room, and it, it helps his case that he has been a linebacker's coach for uh, at least a couple of years now. I forget when he switched job titles, but whatever. Um, I mean, he's he's coached at the heart of the defense. Uh, that's where Belichick was kind of well-versed at back in the 80s. So I'm not saying he's the next Belichick. I just mean that in the sense that, you know, he's been at the teeth of the defense. He's a leader type. And then for the first time ever, really, I think back at the Super Bowl uh, in, in February or, or the end of January and into February when the assistants were available the entire week, you really finally got a chance from a media perspective to see why he's so well-liked. I mean, he got a chance to open up, which we've never really seen before in the one or two times a year they make the assistants available at Gillette Stadium. We saw the Flores personality and kind of a, a peek behind the curtain of why he is who he is. And again, it's that's why I think you've got teams like the Cardinals who are calling the Patriots for that head coaching interview. Not to say that he was a serious candidate, but uh, the the secret's out. I mean, Brian Flores is going to be a head coach at some point uh, in his career. 
at some point, probably in the near future. Uh, but for right now, I think he's going to be, I don't want to say seamless because that would be a dis- discredit to what Patricia's done over the years, but a relatively seamless uh, transition from Patricia to Flores. All right, other side of the ball. One of the reasons uh, that I think people should subscribe to The Athletic if they're serious about Patriots coverage um, is your feature on Shaq Mason. And I think he is arguably one of the, if not the most underrated uh, player on in the, in the offensive unit simply because of how much he produces and how he produces at a high level over a long period of time. And um, you wrote a terrific feature on Shaq Mason uh, toward the end of May, and I just want to kind of revisit why you think he is one of the best guards, starting right guard in the NFL. Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, he's just a guy who the amount of development that he's had or progress year to year has been incredible. Uh, I think it's it's unlike any guard or interior lineman that I've seen. And this is going to be my 10th year covering the team. So just, you know, when Logan Mankins showed up, you knew he was the real deal right away. When Jack Mason showed up, it was, you know, can he beat out Trey Jackson for the starting job? There were you know, veterans like Dan Connolly and Ryan Wendell still around. So it was how how quickly can he kind of come in and, and insert himself? And it was, okay, you, you saw the power there. You saw the raw ability, but you knew that as a pass rusher, he was a uh, pass protector, protector. He was nowhere near ready. But, you know, and again, he held his own as a rookie. And then his second year in, in 2016, it was a more refined product. He was a lot more consistent. Last year, what you saw as a run blocker, I mean, he's as good as, I don't know, he's probably one of the five best run blocking guards in the NFL already. From a pass protection standpoint, he still has improvement to make. I mean, he was the culprit on the strip sack in the Super Bowl. So, you know, you don't hold that one play against him because he's, I mean, I just mean in terms of the overall evaluation. But the intriguing thing is, he is, is he 25, I think, I wrote in the store. I can't remember. Um, but, I'll have to look that up. But I think he's 25. So, he, so, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who is still at least two years before the prime of his career. You know how much progress that he's made over the first three seasons. And you. the fascinating thing is how much progress or the, how, how much higher the ceiling really is and, and how much better he can really get before he even enters his prime. So he's the type of guy that if he gets into the open market, you know, you got Travis uh, Frederick from the Cowboys, might be the best guard in the NFL. He's going to be a free agent, or he's scheduled to be a free agent next offseason. He's going to be the highest-paid guard in NFL history. He's probably going to get a deal uh, eclipsing $13 million annually, which is absurd, but whatever. Yeah. I, I think you look at uh, Shaq Mason – his market, not off the Frederick deal, but you look at the way other guards are paid, he is probably going to get himself into the $9 million a year territory with 40% of that guaranteed. So you're looking at maybe, I mean, if he pushes this thing all the way into free agency, you're looking at maybe a five-year, $45 million deal with, uh, can't do the math off the top of my head, somewhere around 20, 20 million guaranteed, maybe 18 million guaranteed. So right into the 40% ballpark. And, but who knows? I mean, if, if a team that desperately wanted Frederick, if the Cowboys don't franchise him, wants to really start bidding on Mason, he could potentially get to 10. And there are 11 guards in the NFL right now who make at least $9 million a year. And I think Mason is going to be 
or you got Frederick going to be the 12th, Mason going to be the 13th. There might be one or two others in free agency next year who get similar types of money. But again, this is uh, a, a situation where the Patriots are, you know, Belichick style outside of getting Mankins and that one year with Brian Waters. I mean, he's always been the draft and develop type with the interior spots, all three of them. So what's he going to do with Mason? Is he, you know, on one hand, do you continue the strategy that's helped you over the course of your career? Or on the other, do you say, you know, I and, and Dante have spent so much time developing him into this player. Do I really want another team to reap those rewards? And then similar or related element there is, you know, Dante Scarnecchio was, I don't want to say he was close to retirement, but he kind of hinted at it again last year at the Super Bowl. So how much longer is Dante really going to be coaching this this group? And, and if, let's say, he only has one or maybe two years left, and I'm just projecting, I have no idea, right. uh, do you want to continue to reshape your line when you've got a guy like Mason that you know can just, you can just insert him for the next four, five, six years, and you know that you'll be fine at that spot? So it's going to be a really interesting uh, storyline to kind of monitor. And I don't know if the Patriots have made an offer yet, but usually – when you've got a player like Shaq Mason or Trey Flowers or Chris Hogan who's going to be a free agent next March, they start to get the ball rolling on the negotiations uh, mid to late summer. So they're getting close to the point where the negotiations are going to start. The Patriots are going to lowball them, and Mason will probably say no. And then it's where does it go from there? I mean, that's the same pattern, typical uh, typical business dealings that the Patriots have. You know, it's if you're the team, you say, "Hey, do you really want to turn down this much guaranteed money?" I mean, if the Patriots aren't going to offer nine million a year right up front, do they offer seven with fifty percent guaranteed in the hopes that Mason is like, "Hey, you know what? If I bite, I can get injured this year. I'm still set for life." If he is, you know, um, disciplined in the sense that you know Nate Solder said, "Hey, I'm going to push myself all the way to free agency and see what I can get." Dante Hightower a couple of years ago, so on and so forth then that's well within his right to do that as well. So it's just uh, what what is the priority of the player? Because ultimately, regardless of how strong the contract offer is from the team's side, the player has every right to, to gamble on himself and see if he can you know push himself all the way to free agency and, and see if he can stay healthy and, and become one of the highest-paid players at his position in the NFL. You do realize that all of this is on the assumption that Bill is still the decision-maker in Foxborough and that he hasn't delegated any of that to Nick Casario, assuming that Bill might, or somebody else, you know, namely Robert Kraft, might be thinking down the road, um, eventually Bill's going to leave and somebody else is. I've always wondered about that transitional phase with this organization from Bill to the next man. Uh, and... With a guy like Shaq Mason, you know, if he is renegotiating a new contract, it will probably be beyond Bill's uh, tenure in Foxborough, no? I mean, I think you look at, so I know, all right, if the Patriots maintain their pace uh, in terms of wins per year, Belichick in 2023 can be the all-time winningest coach in NFL history. So he's got he's got a carrot at the end of the stick there. And I think he would be about 70 ish around that time, maybe a couple of years older than 70. So, you know, he's got, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I I firmly believe, and maybe this is a little looser uh, now because of the McDaniel situation a couple months ago, but 
really up until a couple months ago, and, and I'm not backing away from it too much, I think Belichick and Robert Kraft are the only two people on the planet, <laughs> and that includes wives, girlfriends, whatever, who know how long Belichick is going to remain the Patriots head coach. Uh, I think there's an open dialogue between those two, or I'm assuming there is, and I don't know if Belichick has really unveiled those plans to McDaniels or Casario or whoever. And you look at the way Belichick was dealing in the draft, you know, trading into next year's uh, draft a, a couple different times, I think it was. This is uh, a guy who was not making those moves like somebody who Short term. is only right. going to coach for one more year. So, right. yeah, this is. I don't think that he's all of a sudden going to go go for broke here like it's the 30th season in Madden and you know the franchise is going to stop you know it's going to shut itself off after that season and just mortgage the entire future and try to cheat the game I mean this is a guy who I think is whenever he does decide to go out whether it's in the back of his head or at the front of his mind I don't think he's going to do it disingenuously and and kind of screw over whoever is running the next regime how can people with your new employer follow you, Jeff, and how can they follow uh, Patriots cover, coverage on The Athletic on social channels? Uh, on Twitter, at Jeff P. Howe. I've tried to do the Facebook thing a couple of different times, and I always forget about it. But uh, The Athletic, uh, we're on Twitter, at The Athletic, and at The Athletic BOS. You can sign up a million different ways. There's usually some sort of discount code where you can get like 40% off the subscription if you do a little work. Uh, hit me up on Twitter if you need to find one of those discounts. I can probably, you know, look it up for you. But, uh, yeah, those are the ways to do it. I mean, it's cost of a Bud Light a month. I mean, come on, come join the party. Uh, you um, would be happy to know that I complimented your colleague, Jay King, on his fantastic athletic apparel, his sharp-looking hat <laughs> that he wore during the NBA playoffs. I can uh, vouch for that. Uh, it is sharp-looking apparel. So I want to thank Jeff Howe for uh, joining us today on The Athletic, I mean on the Patriots beat here on the CLNS Media Network. Jeff Howe from The Athletic Boston. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots beat. I want to once again thank Jeff. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff P. Howe. You can also give us a follow at Patriots CLNS and at CLNS Media. Hit me up on a, my own personal account on Twitter at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, I'll have you know that I'm wearing my sharp-looking athletic hoodie right now. So they, look, they don't just, they don't just put food on our table. They clothe us as well. What, what, I mean, what a great company. It is. That, that is terrific. That is a great indication, Jeff, that they are treating you well, as you should be. Today's sponsor, 4 com For Patriots content manager, Mike Alonji, CLNS media executive producer, Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single Pass game, call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. 
Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots Post Game Show on iTunes and Stitcher. And the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere.